0: Hi, it's Mike Morse. Welcome to Open Mike. We are continuing our series on wrongful exonerees. We have Terrence Lewis out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he was wrongfully convicted for a murder he did not convict. He spent over 21 years in prison. It's a heartbreaking story. There's lots of similarities to lots of the other people that you've heard on our show. Stay tuned for a great and heartbreaking episode you never know who you're going to see be one guy one-on-one my whole career what you're going to hear Got a lot of desperate people in the city or what they've got to say when you can take people inside of a crime that's what you're going to hear on my podcast open mic find it where you find your podcasts terrence lewis welcome to the open mic show i'm so happy to have you here today thank you mike i appreciate you for having
1: me i'm definitely um, honored and grateful to be here thanks
0: so Terence I've been reading a lot about you and I just got to start off by saying it's quite a story. I'm so sorry uh for the 19 years you spent in prison for a, a murder you did not commit. There was no way you you committed it. The 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 it's just a heartbreaking story. I'm so pleased that you're coming up to a 2-year milestone. You've been out for almost 2 years this May 2021 and um just i'm honored to have you on the show
1: thank you thank you all allow me to um do this um slight correction uh only because i did more than 20 um, 19 years um to be specific i did 21 half years i did 21 years five months five days 11 hours um it wasn't 19 years at the age of 19 um After I was falsely yeah, 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 um accused at 17, subsequently convicted at 19 and did a total of 21 years. Uh yeah, that's right, that's right there. That's correct.
0: 17, 19, 21. I got my facts wrong. I'm glad you um, <laughs> um listen, listen, I I I saw in your article that you counted the hours and 21, yeah, 21 years plus months plus days plus hours adds up and you shouldn't have been in there for one minute. And, you know, for the listeners and watchers of, a, of our podcast, Open Mic, we've had numerous people on the show. And the thing that I'm struck with and that I think our listeners and viewers are going to be struck with is there are so many similarities. And I know that you're you were, you know, wrongly, fraudulently convicted in Philadelphia. And there are several people that are coming out in Philadelphia. We've talked to people in Philadelphia um, and lots of people in Detroit through the Detroit system, but it's, it's, it's scary how common the stories are, how common the, 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 the fraud is and in the injustices. And so we're going to get into all that with you and, and go through some of those facts, but it's, it makes your, like, as I'm reading it, you know, I, I've read about dozens of these, right. And it's, as I'm reading them, I'm like, yeah. Oh my! Of course, this happened. Of course, they didn't turn over the evidence. Of course, he his his defense attorney didn't meet him until trial. Of course, and it's 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 just mind boggling. And um, so let's listen, Terrence. Let's just jump into this. Uh, let's go back to 1997. Cool. You were 19 years old. You were expecting your first child. Your first child was was a yeah. month away from being born. I mean, were you excited? Uh, Do you remember back to that? Were you excited about becoming a dad?
1: Absolutely, I was excited. Um, for the most part, um, coming from where I come from, you know, the inner cities, uh, I ain't have too much at that, you know, the present time to you know be uh, to be excited for. So to actually to have my first child um, my son at that, you know, not to make a distinction between whether, you know, a healthy female or healthy male, but nonetheless, you know, um, my junior. And like you said, um, I had been, um, I like to use the term abducted, you know, in essence, that's what it was abducted, right. Um, at at that early age of 19, a month prior to my son actually being born, um, Literally, I'm just now reconnecting. Um, like I said, less than two years. Um, it's going on approximately two years now. And, you know, me and my son. I'm, I'm learning him because it's it was rather difficult, you know, raising him from um, a payphone it, with the limitation fifteen minutes at a time. You know. So did yeah. You,
0: did you? Did you, have a connection? <laughs> did you have a connection with him when you were in prison?
1: Um, to the best of our ability, yes. Um, unfortunately, you know, for me, considering that um I, I was with that 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 the worst stigma is possible, you know, I was um labeled a, a super predator, you know, like you know, wrongfully so, um, for a murder that I didn't commit. So I said that to say um in Pennsylvania, you know, when you got that type of sentence that type of uh, a weighty of a sen- sentence, you are prong go deep deep in the mountains, way, way up in the mountains. So for me, unfortunately, um where we lived at in the inner cities, it was almost like a um a day travel, you know, back and forth. And like I said, you know, my family had to continue to keep the lights on and you know pay the bills and stuff. They didn't have the luxury of traveling, you know, miles on in, 16 hours, you know, out of their day to come see me. Because like I said, I was placed in um the farther, the farthest regions of Pennsylvania. So it was kind of, it was like, long story short, it was a strain, you can say, throughout the years. And that's just the, you know, the honest to God truth.
0: And I know your mom, you're you're close to your mom. How many, so, but back to your son for a set, just a second. How many, how many times did you see your son in the 21 years?
1: Oh, wow. I want to, um, and 21, probably roughly probably like 10 times like 10 times in 21 years, wow. you know, most of our um, interactions, again, was via letters, snail mail, or um, the phone system, you know, when we could afford that, move out of it. And that's just, you know, hard facts. And unfortunately, that was our reality. So that's why yeah. now, you know, while the getting's good, I try my best to, um, you know, be a father, he tries his best to be a son, and we try our best to, you know, what I mean, um, you know, build that solidified bond that um, deprived of, we were stripped of. Hmm.
0: That's, I mean, that's amazing that you're, you're able to do that now. And I wish you guys the best of luck. And I hope that you guys can connect and, and rebuild what you should have had. And that was stolen from you by the state of Pennsylvania. Um, let's go back Thank to you. December uh, 1997. There was a murder in your neighborhood. You were living with a cousin. You were you didn't have a ton of money, you, you, you know, poor neighborhood. Did you hear about this murder? Did you know something had happened? Well, um,
1: sad, but, um, this is the reality for the most part, you know, at that that particular time I was coming off of, um, the war on drugs, um, the war on poverty. So I said that, you know, um, my neighborhood specifically was, you know, it was crime infested. So you had, like you have today's um history has a strange way of repeating itself same thing as it was then now in regards to the murders being at an all-time high for the most part so that was, that was um from amongst the norm that you hear on the news or um via the streets that um such and such got killed or someone you know what i mean lost their life because of this shooting and that shooting so it was normal so i didn't think at all that i personally would have been at, um attributed as you know a a, part to a petitioner um or partaking in um a murder a homicide that costed someone's life, and thus you know my life was subsequently um stolen from me for no crime so and what, no sin when, of my own so I,
0: when was the first time you know you were notified that you had any awareness was it was it when you were when the police approached you about this particular murder
1: exactly it was um Two years later, after the set, um, the murder occurred in this particular case. The, the the murder happened actually in August 6, 1996. I wasn't um, abducted, as I, I like to say. I wasn't kidnapped. You know, I wasn't stolen, um, stripped of my life until approximately like two years later, which was December. I want to believe. I think December the twenty. December the tw- 21st somewhere right there um, of 19 um 97. And yeah. and tell us December, Tell it, us what happened. It was right before tell, Christmas.
0: Just tell us the story how you how the police ended up thinking you were a, a suspect and eventually ar- uh, arresting you.
1: Sure. Um well because of of a nickname um which was common in my um neighborhood I went by the nickname um St- thing I had got, you know, from my grandma,
0: um, hold on. We just had a little technical, uh, blip. The nickname was stink, right?
1: The nickname was stink. Um, okay. yes.
0: Okay. When you said it, it kind of got jarbled, but keep going.
1: And, um, yeah, then by the nickname stink and, um, allegedly it was, um, another individual by the name of stink who um allegedly committed the crime however um due to um frequent and frequent in the neighborhood the police Philadelphia police department at that particular time they had um a policy an unwritten policy um that they would actually manufacture manufacture in make case on any individual you know what i mean like i said due to the fact that um the crime at, at that the crime, you know, the crime area, the area you know, what I mean, um, was infested, you know, what I mean, with all types of, you know, um, criminality. So, with the overtime and the fact uh, and the policy that the Philadelphia Department had enacted, it was easy for them to shut the case if they can go ahead and have a, a shred of evidence or what they will believe to be or perceived as a piece of evidence to end the case. Um, they had uh, one eyewitness. Um, alleged, eyewitness who was there, an admitted crack user who, um, testified that she moments before the crime happened, that she smoked and used, um, crack cocaine and that she assumed that I was the individual that she believed was there. And the police had, um, in a very uh, unconstitutional, suggestive manner, basically, um, was spoon, um, spoon feeding her, um a coercion statement for them to actually pin the case on me um i would like to add at this time you know to highlight the fact of the matter because that you know what i mean um sad but true that i made number the number six exoneree um uh, since the conviction integrity unit of philadelphia county the district attorney office has been active right now they are on number 18 i only been home, like I said, going on approximately two years. So they are on number 18. So this here I use, you know, and I don't, I never ta- be the individual to take like a, um, a broad brush and, you know what I mean, and just say, you know, and, and paint, you know what I mean, a picture that this pertains to everything. But I said that to say this right here um, is the proof in the pudding that at this particular time, especially in the early um, 90s, up department literally was just manufactured case all they needed was a name unfortunately for me like I said the inner cities where I come from and being poor and being black that was that alone is evidence enough only thing I gotta do is just have a crime happen this case it was
0: and my number was called unfortunately and 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 during the investigation every time you talk to the police or detectives they they didn't get a wrongful conviction out of you you never can I'm sorry I Take that back. They never got a wrongful confession out of you. You never confessed to anything, correct? Yeah, I've been no, no, absolutely. I've actually There's, since day one, I had all right. Good. No, I'm just trying to make a point. No wrongful, you never confessed mm-hmm. anything. They never tied you with DNA or a weapon or anything, correct? No, correct. No physical evidence whatsoever placing you at the scene, except for a known crack addict who was smoking. Crack at the time uh allegedly that she saw you at this house. Exactly. There was two I other like people this, this uh convicted letter. with you at the time, correct? Two other people.
1: Exactly. Two other people was convicted at the time as well.
0: Now they're still one in individual
1: prison. I knew they are actually still in prison, and I'm fighting um on the nil, um, advocating on behalf of one of the individuals who is uh, who go about who's Jamar Gladden, a co defendant in my case. He also, um, was, is innocent, you know, what I mean, of this crime as well.
0: And what about the third one? Are you not sure about him?
1: Well, see, yes, yeah, and that's the case, that's the problem. The third one, then I, I'm far from being certain in, in regards to. Him being um, actually one of the perpetrators that was actually there. Um, the evidence, you know, unfortunately, it actually um, it, it seems to point to the fact that they that right there, you know, what I mean, uh, may in fact be the truth. But again, I'm no attorney, um, so I, I can't, you know, um, answer that with uh, you know with legal certainty. But what I do know for certain is that I myself was wrongfully convicted of that crime and the facts you know old and new you know attest to that as well as the other individual who right now is still serving um a sentence for that crime that he didn't commit
0: Tell me about who your who was your defense attorney for your trial
1: My defense attorney was um a, a, a fellow by the name of Thomas W. Moore and you know um it breaks my heart, but none, nonetheless, uh, Thomas Thomas More. Um, he at that particular time was um, suffering from you know elements and sicknesses that in, didn't come out until later on. Which now it, it makes sense to me because you know, uh, and I and I think you probably asked. But he actually did not do no um, preparation. He did not. He didn't do nothing. He didn't amount of uh, a a. Fin- defense at all on my behalf. So um, in essence, I was just a sitting duck, you know, um, the Philadelphia Police Department was um, successful at that time, you know, concocting, you know, concocting um, a case and um, throwing a false indictment upon me. And because we never mounted a defense to prove them wrong, um, unfortunately for me, 21 and a half years, you know, what I mean, has been discarded
0: did was this a court appointed attorney or did you retain him with money
1: actually um we obtained him with money um at that particular time you know I, like again i was working so I, I say this proudly you know i gave him you know my first income tax ever my first income tax check ever and my family you know my aunts um, um my aunts, my mother, my family, you know, they all chipped in and we did everything. They sold, you know, um, little uh, um, materials that we had that had perhaps some type of value to it, um, as well as save money. We did stuff back then, you know, created, you know, Sunday dinners and platters and we sold them, you know, amongst the neighborhood just to gather some Um, a a cash flow so that we can actually on a monthly basis, because that's something that Tom Moore did. Um, was he allowed us to give him in total sixteen thousand dollars on on a paid, you know, um, payment plan? And still, even with that, you know, us honoring that part of the agreement, um, he didn't do nothing. And I guess, like I said, um, he was forthwith. He came and and he was honest in the affidavit and um some legal proceedings prior to me coming home admitting his diligence um he gave an affidavit and um i want to say uh, it was doing my federal habeas corpus um proceeding where my judge actually had uh, a signed affidavit from my trial attorney can see into the fact that um terence needed um, tell me he was innocent and i did not do anything and again he attributed to the fact that he was undergoing sicknesses at that time wind up retiring I think like a year after my case um uh, because no longer practice we don't know exactly what his element was um he's, he's he has passed just actually the year I came home 2019 he had passed so we don't know if it was Alzheimer's we don't actually know what that was but what we do know is that he didn't mount a defense and he just basically allowed me to sit in a kangaroo court and get punched on.
0: Is is it true that you didn't, did you meet him before the trial?
1: I met Tom Moore on two occasions prior to the trial. And then, you know, mind you, um, and that, that alone was, uh, could be deemed um, um, per se um, ineffective assistance of counsel. I was I was I was being charged with first degree murder, right? Um this is a murder case and he came to see me initially when I first got there to assure me that he will in fact mount a defense. Um so that was one time first time and and that he would launch an investigation and he will go ahead and get the supporting facts to um cooperate, you know what I mean, the truth of the matter, me not being there, me not um being an individual part of that um robbery homicide um and then the second time he came to see me was the time where he um he just admitted that hey look um right now they are offering you a deal to five to ten to you know basically put yourself there and tell on the jewels who was there you know you know and the reality is um my moral conscious standing on principle and the fact of the matter that that wasn't the case even knowing at that particular time what was going on in the city of philadelphia it was just throwing guys away i watched it i never thought that i would personally be one but i watched you know guys that were locked up come back with life sentences and then you won't go home until your corpse will go home once your soul leave your body you know i i i, I come to realize that that's what um life without the possibility of means in the state of Indiana. so i watched individuals prior to me receiving a life sentence come back just flabbergasted and dumbfounded and, and, and in shock and, and with trauma and sure enough i was part
0: of that crew so how many days was your trial my trial was i believe
1: with the jury pick it was um well, we started picking a jury probably like in the middle of, um, the, the initial week. And then, um, my trial probably lasted seven days. Um, what was it? It was, it was a horse and po- it was a horse and pony yeah. show. Um, uh, uh, we I, didn't yeah, mount defense.
0: I, I, let yeah. me ask you some specific questions. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, a lot of these wrongful convictions are short jury trials, bad defense attorneys, they're not calling your witnesses. They're not calling alibi witnesses. They're not doing a good job on cross examination. Did he mount any defense once the trial was going? Was did you know as you were sitting there that this was going that this was going terribly wrong? Like, what was your awareness at the in that moment in that during that week? Well, um, that's a good question.
1: My attorney actually, he was honest. He said, "Hey, listen, I can't beat this case. You got to take the deal." I'm looking at this man. I'm a a kid still. I never had no brushing with the law, you know. Bad enough, I was um just being um taken away from home and being placed in county jail for uh, I think I was in county jail for like 18 months. That alone, within itself, you know, um, you know, was traumatizing. So when I finally, uh, finally went to court and after we picked the jury, you know, um, he, he again he was trying to. Tell me, hey, listen, I'm telling you, I'm not going to be able to do this. It was as if, now that I look back in sight, it was as if he was trying to forewarn me, like, listen, this case is, is going to be lost. Um, we, we feel as though we got the actual perpetrator, um, who's the shooter. And, and actually, he told me that. He said, um, Mr. Tom Ward told me, he said, listen, um, the DA don't feel as though, you know what I mean, that you were a hardened criminal that maybe in essence, you was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I said, well, that's not the case. I wasn't there, period. He mm-hmm. said, well, listen, we beyond that. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get on a stand and you're going to have to say this, that, you know." and he was going to tell me what to say to, um, I guess, exclude me from being part of the life sentence, which they was getting ready to hand down. It was as if the DA and the other attorneys had already um, went into a huddle and they already, like it was three prosecutors,
0: uh, four prosecutors against just us, kids. And the jury came back pretty quickly and convicted you all, all three of you.
1: You know, the, actually the jury was in doubt because the only witness, the lone witness who, again, was an admitted um, crack user at the at that time, um, she, she admitted that. She took the stand and said, hey, look, I smoked crack probably like five, 10 minutes prior to and, um, you, know, you know, only one who smokes crack know the ill effects of crack cocaine in regards to hallucinations or whatever. But what she initially said to the police was uh, sufficient enough for them to stitch together, you know, a theory that would have killed birds with one stone. And um, did
0: just... Go ahead. Did, did, did he call... I mean, where were you at the time of the murder took place? Did you have an alibi? Actually, I told him that I was at
1: work because... Um, what well, were, were you at? Work? Were time, you at work? Were you at work? I was. Now, here's the thing I told him either I was, in fact, at work during or I was just getting off, but neither, either still, that was sufficient enough because in 1996, I was working at a bingo hall and I was working them hours. So, even if I just had got off, if we would have looked at my schedule, you know, mind you, I got locked up you know i mean it was years later and we ain't mount a or not even a defense when you start talking about you know um what we was going to do or where was you at because he already had in his mind hey you should xyz because i feel as though they were going to go ahead and convict the individual who they felt as though actually did the crime
0: i hear all that you're telling me that he didn't go interview anybody at the bingo hall he didn't he didn't that, present a witness at the you know, Bingo Hall, that, pay records, pay stubs, hour sheets. Um, I mean, how hard would that have been to find uh, a pay stub showing that you worked eight or 10 hours that day? Good question. Now, only thing that I can possibly think of now
1: to answer that question and, and truthfully, and, you know I mean, uh, and with um, reasoning, is the fact that, and I don't know what year, the Bingo Hall actually uh, wind up going out of business but like what you said it wouldn't have been nothing for you to still to retrieve them records you know what i mean because it was still relatively within that time frame because remember the crime happened in 96 i didn't go to trial until 99 so three year period what is the odds of that um period being discarded especially i would have income tax i gave him my income tax check
0: but he never did nothing mm-hmm. You know, none, of, none, none of that makes none of that makes sense and it's just shocking to hear these stories that a, a murder trial is a week long you met your lawyer twice there was no preparation did he call did he call one witness on your behalf any witnesses on your behalf you know
1: you you wow Mike, you unearth you pulled back scabs i'm sorry he didn't call no one and let me say this no 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 it, hey man you know the the truth is the truth um i could have i had ample and i say ample um multiple character witnesses he called character witnesses mind you i'd never ever been arrested of no crime i was a law-abiding citizen at an early age i was not get this true story i had two jobs by the time they came in the right at the time of the murder, I was actually working at the Bingo Hall. But after the Bingo Hall did in fact shut down, remember I didn't uh, um go to trial to '99. After the Bingo Hall shut down '97, I was working at St. Joseph's College. So at the very young age of 16, when it was um legal lawfully for me to commence work, I've been working from the time I was eligible to work up until the time that they came and um. Locked me up. So more of the story is, if he would have traced just back dumb facts, he would have found exact. That's my opinion, and I'm not a lawyer, but he would have found out exactly. You know, what I mean, where I was at that time. That's my opinion. Living in the technology world, just looking at it, you know, through some uh, retrogressive lenses.
0: Terrence, but that wasn't we'll okay. He I'll didn't
1: call his... no one on my behalf.
0: Terrence, I'll do love and respect. You keep saying you're not a lawyer. You're smarter than a lot of lawyers I know. Number one, and number two, you don't have right. to be a lawyer. To, to say, hey, should we go back and try to talk to anybody you worked with? Hey, should we go back and look at time records? Hey, should we go find the owner of the bingo hall and see if they can help us? And maybe they got a box of records and and find the the sheets. Um, calling character witnesses to say what a good guy you were and that there, there was no way you could have done this and that you were working two jobs, et cetera, et cetera. These are all not, you don't even need to be a lawyer to to brainstorm these facts, which makes it even more sad. Um, did you testify at trial? You mentioned that, that he wanted you to. Did you get up on the stand and testify?
1: No, he thought it was, he advised me not to. I wanted, I. I, to, I that was one of my issues. That was one of my appellant issues. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to testify in my own defense. I wanted to tell them who I was. I wanted to tell them, you know, that, that it was no way on God's green earth that I could, um, it and that I, um, committed this crime, but he advised against that. Uh, he never gave me a reason as to why he advised me against that. And now, like I said, again, looking back in retrospect, I look at all this stuff and, um, it's sad because, and and let me just say this, why, why, why pains me, honestly. Um, and I hope that we get a chance to get into that as we move forward and 2000, and thank you for that compliment as well in regards to saying that, um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but nonetheless, I'm smart enough to know, you know, I mean, what a lawyer is supposed to know, right? So I appreciate that. In 2009, and mind you, I got convicted and, um, and once I got off the bus at a year early age, right? I immediately, I immediately went into the law library and started to study, study, you know, I mean, the, the, the unright, the, to, to write this wrong. And it took me 10 years, but I got it done pro se by myself. I, I was able to go before a federal tribunal um, and unequivocally, unequivocally, my federal judge, you know what I mean, um, she shared my belief in fact that no doubt you were wrong, factually innocent. You know and I mean, no way in the world you did that. you know, what I mean, based upon old new evidence, absolutely no right mind would have convicted you. I spent, I didn't come home to 2019. I had the federal order in hand. You know so i mean actually can you imagine i went back to a level five penitentiary a level five penitentiary to do an additional 10 years after i had a, a federal court one of the high courts can see that yeah we did get it wrong we as like you know like you apologize you know we try to you know um as as a as a country as a group as a society you know sharing the burden you know and state yep. and what's right in a civilized society and what's wrong and an evolving society but yeah it, that wasn't the case me, man. So I, I read that. that 10
0: years I read, that's a long time terrence i read that it made no sense there was some kind of bs technical procedural <laughs> grounds that she had to keep you in even though she said that you were in her mind innocent she could have i don't know how she couldn't have found a, a way to let you out you know, there's a lot of twists and turns with your appeals. There's a lot of twists and turns. If people want to read more about it, um, they, there's lots of of information out there. But for the for, the, the, it would take us about three hours to go through all of that. Um, and you True. just summed it up nicely. That that you know, it, a judge ten years before you finally got out said they thought you were innocent, but yet that judge didn't have the guts or the knowledge or the wherewithal to, to get you out right then and there and didn't, you know, and, and, held tight on a procedural technicality, which drives me absolutely bonkers. Um, but you know, let take, take our listeners and viewers up to shortly before you were exonerated. Um, what happened? Take us to, through the story uh, as, as to, um, what happened, how you eventually got out
1: wow okay that's uh, i like that question because um uh, to segue in from what i just um narrated um in 2010 I unequivocally um proved my innocence but um, unfortunately um in the society where we live in up is down and down is up and right is wrong and wrong is right you know it's like completely backwards um I'll I, I use also, you know, what I mean, uh, as um, I guess the measuring stick or as proof that you know our Constitution, the Thirteenth Amendment, it actually says that neither slavery or involuntary servitude shall exist, right, in the United States, except it gives an exception, except if you was duly convicted. But in my case, I was, you know, wasn't duly convicted. I was wrongfully convicted. But it's tomato, tomato. Um, of a of a crime, so um that was the case. So whether you're innocent or not, you know, what I mean, innocence is irrelevant. I'm just telling you from a practical standpoint. Not even so much of a book that I read. Um, I proved my innocence in 2010. I had to return back. I had to return back to one of the worst penitentiaries in the state of Pennsylvania. I had to return back um to SCI Huntington. I went to SCI Huntington, and that's where it's, <laughs> that's where the yeah SCI Huntington is is. That ain't no five star hotel. Let me say that. I know. So, I know. But listen, I had listen in
0: the sake of time, take us to us the point. What happened? Something major happened. I know what happened, but I want you to tell our listeners.
1: That's what I'm about to. Well, I mean, I wanted to use that as a backdrop. Apologize. Again. So, I, in 2000, went back um, with a life sentence. Um, got the order in hand. and It means nothing. Can't even frame it. So in 2012, um, the United States Supreme Court came out with a ruling. Um, Fortunately for me, when this crime happened, when I was abducted, I was still a, a juvenile, allegedly. You know what I mean? I was a juvenile when this crime actually occurred. So, um, by rule of the United States Supreme Court in 2012, um, any individual, specifically a juvenile, they gets another bite at the apple if they wasn't irreparable. So we had a mountain defense. This is if I wanted home because in Philadelphia, they was offering me a dip. It was offering me 30 to life. I'm an innocent man still, nonetheless. So, but I had, but in order to get the 30 to life, in order to get the 30 to life, I had to, I had to admit my, I had to um, admit what I've done in order to be eligible for parole. And that wasn't the case. So my defense team had came up um, with a way that we seen that it was something on a books. It was policy that if we just go in and give them what they want, right? To Give them one to just concede to the facts that I will have a new judgment. And then I can come home and then I can go ahead and appeal and fight from the streets because why? A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. So that was our philosophy. That was our, our, our defense at the time. So I go in, I say, fine. Um, they said, well, look, um, the administration started to change over. They say they instead of giving you 30, um, because the... The previous administration who actually went to jail himself, the DA, he's was, um, Seth was offering me 30 to life, but then the administration changed over to Larry Kresner. bless his heart. He said, well, look right now, we'll give you time serve. You can come home right now and then fight your case and and finish fighting your innocence. But you got to go before your state court judge and you got to concede to the facts of what our convictions say. So we went in, we was go ahead and concede to the facts with the hopes of I get time served and then I can fight it from the streets because I didn't want to um, continue to die in jail because we already, you know, me, this is 2019, right? We was trying to reap the benefit off the 2012 um, order. So um, when I went before my um, judge, state judge for the 2012 ruling to go ahead and concede and hopefully fight my case from the streets. She seen the order from my previous judge, and she said to herself, being honorable, right? She said, "What sentence will be an appropriate sentence to give an innocent man? Not twenty to life, not thirty to life. There's no sen-. so immediately in the interest of justice, um, she exercised her power, and you know, I mean, the jurisdiction that she had, you know, what I mean, being a, a, a judge, and um, she withdrew the charges with the concealment, with, or, or, or with the Commonwealth in the fact that I, an, an additional independent investigation they determined that no way in the world that i did the crime and lo and behold i'm here right now on the open mic show with you mike that's and you got and you got out Um, 24 hours later after that right i got out well it wasn't even 24 hours because the the process that we were out within a day you were out within a day I got out the next morning. The, the, the case, Adults. listen, because listen, this is important. This is, this, is, this is beautiful to say because my hearing lasted all the way up to eight o'clock that evening. So wow. by the time we left court back to the jail, it was 10 o'clock. I was getting out the following day, the next morning. It wasn't even 24 hours.
0: So all I want I mean you to know, Terrence, man, for- I got chills you telling that story because I got to break that down just for our listeners, just for a second. Sure. And I want to make sure, sure I understand it, okay? So, number one, the judge 10 years old earlier absolutely could have done what this judge did and didn't number in my opinion, number two, you were about to, you went to that hearing that day to basically plead guilty to a crime. You didn't commit just so you could get out. And instead of having to lie to a federal judge, you, the judge said, no, I am not going to make you do that. I am, I am, uh, vacating these charges, and you're a free man. Is that basically what happened?
1: That's exactly what's base. That, that's exactly on um, basically what happened. You know, I watched guys who actually did the crime on um, Mike do had 17 years against 17 a lifetime served. Guys had only uh, I was going on 21 years at the time. Right? Um, they had 20 years and they had 18 years and they would not resentence me until i conceded that i would go ahead and forego my innocent claims just so perhaps maybe i don't know me you know better than me that later down the line i couldn't sue or whatever the case but none of the, fact of the matter was i watched guys there yeah. I, I watched guys go home before me who actually pulled the trigger yeah. So, and being as though I did an extra 10 years, I knew for a fact that they was not bluffing on uh, playing, you know, the bluff game with me. They will, in fact, they was, they would have left me in there. And the reality was, man, I was rotten away. And I promise you, if you don't, you don't know what desperation is until um, you was falsely convicted of crime and you spent 21 years in jail of your life, an extra would, 10 years after a federal court said that, yeah.
0: I would have admitted to anything. Uh, and and I know I'm sure it was an agonizing decision, but you know, quite frankly, if they said you get to call him tomorrow and you have to tell us that you're an alien from Mars, you would have admitted to that.
1: And and you can and you um conspired to kill Kennedy, I'd have told him exactly, yeah, you know what, that's exactly, exactly what happened, whatever. And, you and, say, and this judge
0: is a hero, this judge who lets you out that day has to be your personal hero. I have you know mad respect for this judge. I don't know who this judge is, Um, but when judges do the right thing like this, you know, I get so frustrated when I read cases like yours and I see how your state courts just rubber stamp the convictions, the Supreme court of Pennsylvania, rubber stamps, the convictions God knows how much time they actually spent looking at this evidence. Cause had they looked at this, had they seen who your counsel was, had they looked at the trial transcripts, had they seen that there was a bullshit defense, or I should just say there was no defense. They, they would have realized at all what happened. And, and, and this could have been fixed 21 years earlier, 20 years earlier when those first appeals were, were, were filed. Um, Listen in the in this. We don't have that much time left, but I want to talk about the fact that you got your paralegal degree in prison when you were there. You you read everything you could. You went to school. You you got a degree in college. Is that tr- or in prison? Is that true?
1: Yes, it's true. I did. I, love, I um. I love that. Fortunately, yeah, yeah, I did. I, well, yeah. And what I kind did. are you?
0: Are you? And you got out of prison, and you had job offers. You people wanted to work with you. You that was actually. Uh, a, a positive. And, and, you know, I know you had a lot of family hardships and you were trying to navigate lots of different things, but, um, that made me happy to see. And, and I am curious and I'm sure our, our listeners are curious. Are you working? What are you doing right now?
1: Oh, right now. Um, I'm actually, on uh, my own foundation. I got a um a foundation a five hundred one c three a five hundred one c three nonprofit called the Liberation Foundation. And basically, what I what we do is I had as I went telling my story, I had a chance to get the attention of some um U um students who share my belief in that we need to offer the services that I myself, you know, what I mean, was deprived of. So remember i did my case myself pro se for the first half my the first leg of the 21 years 10 years straight i had to um fight myself and i know what type of hurdles and what type of procedural burdens and and, and impediments that's placing away so you actually have individuals true story that's innocent literally uh, uh, colorable claims of innocence that they don't have that assistance and that aid so i wanted to um Advocate on their behalf and provide them services by trying to link them with um, counsel who's willing to do pro bono work like the counsel that I had. Um Mr. Dave Leger. He um after I won um my appeal in federal court, it was Dave Leger um who was appointed to argue on my behalf the fact of the matter or the petition that I put in. And together we convinced my judge to for her to share the, our belief that yeah, this guy is innocent. But again, we know the story about she um her hands was tied you know her hands was tied let's say that her hands was tied but nonetheless i want to give what um i was uh, almost deprived of i want to give them a fighting chance as well like i said i made number six exoneree coming home from via the conviction integrity unit i'm going on two years now they're on number 18. they have over 16 s- 1600 of pro se submissions that there are, aren't are being touched because uh it's just not they they understaffed and it's just um this is this is the uh atmosphere we live in you got the like i said they on number 18. i had this the least amount of time in
0: i did 21. it's amazing it's amazing so and i know you 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 fi- it's public information you filed a civil lawsuit after you got out you won over $6 million settlement, which congratulations, you deserve it. Thank you. Um, You're you using some of your own money to help other people get into, get out of prison, which I commend you for. Um, we're going to put a link to your foundation on this podcast so people can learn about it, um, donate if they want, help if they want, and, um, and is that, that, is that what you're doing full-time right now? Is that you're, you're spending a lot of energy try, just trying to help other people, um, who were in your same predicament?
1: Allow me to say that, yes, yeah, so that Mike is the, um, the reality is they say, when you know better, you do better. Um, I was exposed to, you know, what others haven't been exposed to. So morally speaking, you know, I feel like morally I had, I'm like mandated, you know, blessed. um to survive that belly of the beast and i i see that it is in fact that is a beast and we need as all hands on deck and i couldn't go i can't be on a beach putting my toes in the sand knowing that you know i mean i have individuals that you know i mean literally are rotten jail They, they rotten rotting away in jail for a crime that they could, they didn't commit. So I feel as though I got um, to, um to some extent, keep the iron in the fire, keep my sleeves rolled, and act on their behalf. And just that, you know, to the best of my ability. Yeah. I know I can't save them all, but I tend to do what I can do.
0: I read uh, in one of the notes that you had a dream that you were going to go to college one day. Is that still on the cards? You know, um,
1: I'm still cuz life 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 is fast you know you say, I keep saying I, you see how I reiterate I've been home 2 years you know going on 2 years and I'm like wow this we in a different time zone cuz in there 2 years huh wow 2 is a long time you know you know a year feel uh, a day feel like a week a week feel like a month a month feel like a year out here it's not enough hours in a day so um I'm still on I, I I'm entertaining um going to the school However, right now, I want to go ahead and since everything's on my plate now, I want to make sure that I have the infrastructures to um, do what's needed. You know what I mean? Right now, in regards of if that's hiring attorneys, seeking pro bono attorneys so that we can get the job done now. I don't think I don't me personally waiting seven years to help get in the fight. I just left there. I'm talking from a practical standpoint. I think I can go ahead with the foundation and um, galvanizing the support. Now we can get the job done, as opposed to them waiting for me to go to school to um, come back and reach back to help. That's that's that belies common sense to me. You know. Okay. So listen. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in it right now.
0: I listen. You're in the fight. You're. you're I was just curious because I knew that that was a dream of yours. You'd make an excellent lawyer. There you're me. acting as a lawyer as it is. So you know, that's, that's, that's amazing. I commend you on the work you're doing for your foundation. Um, I look forward to digging in more on that. And, you know, again, I'm so sorry that you lost those 21 years and I love your attitude. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's surprising. I've become, I've become friends with some, some um, exonerees here in Detroit and they have a similar attitude to you. They're, they're, caring people they're loving people they care about their community they care about people who have been wrongfully convicted they're not overly angry and bitter and want revenge they they want to use the rest of their time on this earth in a positive way to help people and I get the same Vibes from you and so I commend you hey, on Mike. that yeah
1: thank you Appreciate yeah reality I almost I almost died in jail no one knows except the person who all faced death in the face. Like I mean, for years I watch it climb. I watch my life dwindle away. So it pr- gives you a different, you know, um, perspective on life. So now that I, I actually whole again, for the most part, I'm whole again. It's only right that I continue to show that gratitude and appreciation, not just in speech, right, but also in deed, because I know talk is cheap and priceless. So yeah, this is why you know I feel as though I got to do it now, because I'm not the end all, be all. It ain't about you know. It's about you know what has occurred and what's happening, and us changing the status quo. You know, ain't nobody promised tomorrow.
0: I promise you that. Terrence, <laughs> that's keep the up reality. the reality. <laughs> keep up the good fight, Terrence, and you know, good luck Thank with you. your son. Good luck with your foundation. Um, we appreciate you coming on Open Mic, Terrence Lewis. We'll have all your links and everything. And uh, thanks again. And it's so nice to meet you.
1: Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you for having me. And take care of yourself, man. Stay in touch, okay?
0: I will. You too, buddy. There you have it. Terrence Lewis, exoneree out of Pennsylvania, 21 years behind bars in a Tier 5 prison, which is the worst of the worst places to be. What a crazy story. And if you've been following our exoneree series it's, it's just more of the same. And, uh, the fact that, you know, they finally have a conviction integrity unit in Philadelphia and in throughout the state of Pennsylvania is a good thing. As he said, he was number six. There's been 18 let out. Hopefully the rest of them will get out. Hopefully it won't be too long. Such a heartbreaking story. Anyway, we thank him for coming on. If you know anybody who needs to see this, forward it to them, like it, subscribe to our channels, And thank you for listening and being a fan of open mic. Take care.